Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for listening to NeuroHive. I'm going to be really honest and upfront with you about something. We took a really big risk putting this information out for you and creating this content. I need your support to help beat the big tech and media overlords who just want to keep you addicted to complacency. They're making billions of dollars and ripping the United States apart all for the sake of keeping us dumb and numb in the place of our phones. I know a lot of you are business owners and entrepreneurs and self-driven individuals who listen to this. You are what they fear the most. Self-reliant, independent thinkers and individuals who are willing to put in the work that is required of success. To help our cause in creating impactful and transparent content to help American business owners, I need your support for the show. If I taught you something, if we gave you new insight into something that you hadn't thought about before, or even just made you smile a little bit today, please share the show. That's how we're going to grow the hive into the greatest force for good that exists out there in the world today. It doesn't have to be a social media share or story post, but many of you do that and it's greatly appreciated. But what it can be is the next time you're hanging out with your buddies, having a conversation with other business owners, and it comes up of what are you stuffing your brain with? What's the good stuff that you're putting between your ears? I would greatly appreciate a mention of NeuroHive. We do a good job for you. I really would love that in return. Let's fire up B and hop into today's episode. KB, active the hive. So we got Alex Vandahar. What's crackalacking, my dude? Dude, I'm super excited to be here. We made the drive in, and I couldn't be more happy to be here today. Yeah, man. Dude, it, how far of a drive was it? About six hours. Six hours? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, it's not bad. I didn't know that, dude. I thought yeah. it was like a lot farther. And he's, nah. <laughs> you could do that in a day, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and go back home. Down and back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to hang out with some Arate people tonight. Yeah, dude. Is that tonight and tomorrow? Uh, we were going to head out tomorrow, but yeah, okay. just hanging out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have to jam for sure. Dude, that's what's up, dude. So, dude, let's get into this. I know we're going to get super nerdy. Super, that's all right. Yeah, super tactical. That's your jam. Um, but before we get into that, man, can you just give us uh, somewhat of a backstory? Yeah. And how you got to where you're at and why you're so passionate about it? Totally. So, um, born and raised in Cincinnati, went to school up at, uh, the Ohio state university <laughs> for all those snobs out there that want to add the, the, uh, <laughs> I got my degree in neuroscience and Mark in uh, psychology. And I had a near death experience my senior year and it totally shifted the trajectory. I was going down what's called psychopharmacology. So how different drugs, illegal or legal, however you want to classify them, affect the behavior of our bodies, our brains, what that interaction looks like. And after that experience, man, I really kind of woke up to figuring out what my true purpose was. And for years after that experience, I was chasing that sensation of death again, mm. not doing like crazy shit with it, but like meditation, flotation therapy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was trying to figure that thing out, trying to chase whatever that was. And I found it in float tanks. So I, <laughs> I ended up floating so much. And the guy that I was training Brazilian jiu-jitsu with actually owned a float center. So I got in, him and I were jamming and he cracked me real hard in the ribs one day when we were doing Muay Thai 
And he was like, dude, you just need to come like train and like relax, like, like come relax, just float however much you want until you start feeling better. And I got in there and I found that sensation again. And I was like, oh shit, like there's something to whatever this thing is. So I was like, dude, I need a job here. Cause I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford this thing retail like every day. And I want to float every day for like years to come. So that's exactly what I did. Got a job working literally minimum wage for 18 months. And during that 18 month period, I learned digital marketing because he needed it. We were literally about to go bankrupt as a business three months after I got hired. And during that process, Process, I started to pick up, I ordered Billy Jean's course. I did nice. a few other people like Douglas James. And I started looking at, you know, how, how in the world does what's going on with click funnels and Facebook and Instagram and all this other BS. This is like 2015 before it really like shot up. Yeah. And I think it was at like 2017 when it really yeah, started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started scaling and, and 18 months, I brought him from a hundred thousand in debt to 2.2 million in sales using Facebook and IG. Fucking <laughs> 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 nasty, right? So we got going with it, man. And even after all that success, even after working my ass off, making minimum wage, being essentially as a tank wipe and a uh, secretary for people that were pissing in these pods and in these showers, cleaning it up. I've, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take making minimum wage, bring this other guy, all this money. And I'm watching him. He's driving a new BMW every year. He's got a new Land Rover for his mom. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like I can't even afford dinner. Right. Like, like what in the world is going on? Like, how is this not working out? Right. I, I did the good boy route of school. I did what all the educators said you have to do in order to be successful. And it wasn't working. Mm. And during that time when I was learning digital marketing, I was like, dude, this is everything I just learned in all my psych and neuroscience classes around how do we create behavior patterns? How do we take and hijack systems and behaviors to modify them to what we want, right? But they use it in this context of counseling, but it's the same context for business. It's looking at the human behavior, figuring out where your business or product or service overlaps with the habits that they already have, and then starting to stack and deconstruct those in ways that we want. Mm. And that's when I really started to dig into the field of neuromarketing. Really not popular. There's a few universities here inside the States that actually teach it as a degree, but once you're done with it, most of the time, those people get picked up by big tech companies right away. And I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else. I tried that. I tried that fucking path. That didn't yeah. work. I was like, I, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it for me. So I tried door-to-door -door sales in the meantime <laughs> after I quit. So I got real pissy with him one day and I just I flat out left. And uh, I tried door-to-door -door sales for three weeks. I got run off the road by a car, broke my glasses, covered in mud, head to toe. It was raining outside. I called my boss. I was like, dude, I need you to come get me. Like, I'm literally covered in mud. No Nobody's going to buy shit from me covered in mud head to toe. He's like, you're going to figure out a way to go out and sell the rest of the day. Oh, and I, was like, <laughs> I was sitting here and they're like, ah, oh, you motherfucker. Like, of course. Right? right. So I get out there, I sell the rest of the day. And honestly, that was my best day in sales. Mm. And because I was making a joke out of it, I was being lighthearted with people. When I walked up to their door, I'm like, yo, I'm usually not covered in mud. I promise. <laughs> but what I am here to do is not shake mud on your porch, but to check your energy bill to see if we can stop you from burning those dinosaur fumes and get you onto some <laughs> green energy. Bro, that's some underdog right there, bro. So after a few weeks of that, uh, me and the guy that was running it, because it's a, those are essentially MLMs, right? They bring yeah. you in, they try to build you up, you start your own thing, and then they just move forward. I was like, dude, this isn't it for me either. I have to go back to what I know I'm good at, which is 
leveraging psychology and leveraging digital marketing. But I learned so much during that sales process. I was like, oh, we like we can do this. So Mm -hmm. I had 500 bucks in my bank account, started out. And that was January 1 of 2018. I made that decision. We opened up, got our LLC filed. And ever since then, we've been running Hidden Falls Media, which is the premier neuromarketing agency in the world. (laughs) The. (laughs) Dude, I fucking love it, dude. It's at high energy and fucking really, dude, how, how, how the whole process just played out is fucking crazy by one. But I love the story of especially turning that perceived, oh shit, I got mud on me to a strength and hey, using that as an advantage to shake the pattern and get get people's attention, make them laugh. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's what's up. Dude, life happens for us, not to us. Amen. I've learned that so many fucking times throughout this journey with that. It's everything. Amen. So before we even get deeper on this, I I wrote something down because you were saying some stuff that's like totally off topic, but I want to go deep on it. You mentioned Brazilian jujitsu and float tanks or whatnot. Dude, I was in a room on Clubhouse uh, like a week or two ago and Ty Lopez is just like, have you ever heard him talk? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. Yeah. (laughs) I used to not like the guy until because of the whole the Lamborghini stuff yeah. but I was like that was smart though but then I get to hear him talk and he's like one of the smartest people I've ever talked like I could I was sitting there just listening to him for like two hours and he's just talking it's just him talking in a room full of thousand people I'm like dude this guy is fucking smart but anyways he was talking about uh Brazilian jiu-jitsu he's like hey you want to fucking get curt he's like you and he's saying like how that's such a it played such a huge factor in his growth was mm-hmm. Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um and uh cold water therapy or whatever, whatever, what is that shit called? Cryotherapy. Cryotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one of those big tanks too. And inside my Instagram, you can see some videos of it of me walking into this big fucking chamber. That's about half the size of this room. Oh wow. And they just pump it full of uh, liquid nitrogen. So it steams (laughs) up and turns into air in there, but it drops to negative 200 degrees. While you're in there. While you're in there for like three minutes. It's awesome, dude. You come out. I've got, because you can put music in while you're going. So I've got like hardcore, post-hardcore music in there. And I'm just like jamming out while I'm freezing. (laughs) Holy fuck, dude. Dude, What's going through your mind when that's happening? Because I did ice baths and like that, you know, you you gotta, you you gotta be a little fucking crazy for that shit, right? You know? Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole thing that's going through the mind, man. Because it's the only thing at the end of the day we can control. Mm. Mm. In and out. Yeah, that's powerful, bro. Cause like I'd noticed, like I've been all, I, until recently I've been a really horrible meditator. Mm-hmm. Is that even a meditator? Is that a word? Sure. Okay. Whatever you want <laughs> to make out of it. <laughs> but, but man, I've been getting a lot better lately cause I've been practicing, but it, what's helped me is like what you just said is that and you say, I, I say it in my mind, like breathe in. And then I say, breathe out. And I'm just focused on the breath. And it helps me from not getting distracted by the million fucking thoughts that are wanting to come through my mind. And then some will, but then I'll just bring it back with the breathing. Yeah. You know, it's fucking awesome. And that's the same thing with float tanks. And yeah. it's the same thing with jujitsu, man. Somebody gets you and they're choking you out. It feels life and death when mm-hmm. you're there, but it's not because they're there and we all know what the circumstances are. And we're, we're here to learn. And the best thing that my instructor ever taught me was no matter how much you panic, it's only going to make it worse. Mm. The only thing you can do is you can breathe and start to think your way out of the situation or you'll panic, your heart rate will elevate, you'll make a mistake, and then you're really screwed. (laughs) (laughs) So you might want to calm the fuck down and think. (laughs) Yeah, you might want to just chill. So man, let's fucking segue into this neuromarketing. That's that's the term for it, right? Yeah. Okay, let's segue into this. Explain to me 
the general concept of it. Let's look at what marketing is first and how we define marketing. And I think it's the best definition, not egotistical, but overall (laughs) from like, I think marketing is a game of memorization. If we can get people to memorize who you are, what you do, how you serve them and what products you offer that help them in their life, we're winning the game of marketing. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to overcomplicate what it is, how we do it, how we get to the results, right? How do you get the 500 Ross on an ad set level, right? We can get there. We can talk about those strategies. But at the end of the day, if your customers don't memorize who you are and what you do, you're just wasting money. Mm. You're not spending on good things. So we think about marketing as a game of memorization. And when we come from that foundation, what we can really do is get our clients to really start to engage differently with lead magnets. We can get them to engage differently with our social media content. We can get them to buy into the macro mission, right? What's that far destination that we're going to that we see as the as the leaders, the visionaries, the people that are driving the bus, right? Even if times we don't know if we can see five feet in front of us, we know we're going to get there, right? It's hard to explain that to a customer. It's hard to get them to buy into that. So if we can get them to memorize certain key features and qualities and characteristics about the business, it grabs onto them in different ways. Hmm. So when we look at this, we're looking at things like the six human needs of certainty, uncertainty, significance, growth, contribution, love and belonging. We're looking at the different sensations that our bodies are built and equipped with because those bypass the prefrontal cortex. They go straight to the emotional center of the brain first, more before they go into the other side of the logic and reasoning to interpret what those sensations mean, right? We'll touch a hot stove a few times, but we won't do it very many, right? Because those pathways. Right. We learn real quick. We're amazing at adapting and learning, but it comes with sensation first. So there's some really interesting things. I'd love to get into a few of the different ones. Um, I brought you a sheet and I'll let you kind of pick through the ones that you want to go through so we can make this a little bit more dynamic. Fuck yeah. And before we do that, do you think that's where that term, that that cliche, that quote of uh, pain is the greatest feature comes from mm. something to ponder about i'd rather have somebody else's pain be my greatest teacher <laughs> let's uh, let, me, let me hit you with that yeah so let's dive in dude all right so let, let's make this a little bit interactive do you want to do precision pricing decoy products and pricing we've got uh adding high-end products inside your business using all five senses we've got the price of a smile 10 words to build trust and reward versus reciprocity. Man, the what was the high-end, adding high-end? A- adding a high-end product. Yeah, that uh, and what was the one right after the smile? The 10 words to the build? The 10 words that build trust. I want to hear those. All right, I was jamming on that one on Clubhouse earlier today for our yeah. neuromarketing calls that we oh, did. Oh, so it's fresh. Oh, dude, yeah. it, that one's awesome. But yeah, but we can totally start with a high-end product. Um you know, I talk a lot inside of my IGs about uh, decoy products and how we see those play out. Um, one of the most common ones that we see is like, I see it all the time with toothpaste and shaving cream. And it drives my girlfriend nuts when we go through like grocery stores and shit or like like big box retailers. So I'm like, oh, there's decoy pricing. There's decoy marketing, yeah. right? Like they're trying to get you to buy the next thing up. The biggest place you can see this is inside of movie theaters too, with like the popcorn and the sodas that they yeah. do and anchoring with pricing. And that's a lot of stuff that marketing agencies should do and they should talk to their clients about, but they just don't, Mm. which is so strange to me. Like why in the world would you not talk about the psychology of why your customers are coming to you and buying or, and, or not buying your product. So looking at it from a high end perspective at one point, I want to give this example because stories sell and facts tell, right? Right. At one time at Williams Sonoma, they had a, a bread maker that was $275. Okay. And what they ended up doing was they ended up 
adding a larger capacity one by 50%. So they just increased the size of the bread maker and they didn't sell any of the more expensive kind, but the sales of the cheaper ones skyrocketed through the roof to the point where they couldn't keep them in stock. And it ended up becoming one of their highest selling items. And the re and it gets you thinking like, what the hell, right? Like why in the world would increase or putting a bigger product next to the smaller one increase it? Because, and we see this with restaurants too, right? They'll add a filet and steak or a filet and lobster on the menu at the top, right? So when you look, then they'll put that at like 80 bucks. So when you look at the steak individually for like 50 or 60, you're like, oh, well, shit, that ain't that bad, right? <laughs> it's the same thing that decoy. they're doing in there as well. It's exactly, it's a decoy marketing tool. And it's the same thing with adding a higher end product inside of your business as well. One, you don't know if somebody's actually gonna want to buy that because they very well might. We tried it within our business just to throw out a $30,000 package one time just for shits and giggles and people fucking bought it. Mm. And I was like, what in the, like, why? It's the exact same service that you could get somebody else for $1,500 to $2,000, except we threw in a bunch of other value adds in the process and we made the customer experience just absolute top level. It's the same thing with the Williams-Sonoma bread maker we're talking about, right? They added the capacity just to make it look bigger and fatter. It did the exact same functionality of the smaller one, but by adding that extra 150 or 200 bucks, that one bread maker, the other one that was already, you know, 200, 300 bucks skyrocketed through the roof because they said, well, that's ridiculous, but that seems reasonable now. Mm. Yeah. Let me ask you this, dude. Do you think, cause, cause I know all about the decoy effect, but I wasn't trying to use it when I did it, but I think I did. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so it was like kind of a mind fuck right there with, we just added uh, some new services. One being my consulting package, which is $10,000 for two hours. And there's not like an ongoing thing. It's like, no, two hours, $10,000. We'll sit down. If you want to do it again, we could do it again, but that's, and then we just map out your entire marketing strategy using your podcast as a tool. Right. And when we added that, we also rolled out our, our mastermind and the mastermind is 2k a month, 24, 24,000 for the year. But we also talk about, Hey, you're going to get a hundred grand. We're going to help you produce a hundred grand from your podcast by the end of those 12 months and 10k downloads. And I think that comparison was like, totally because we put out one fucking post and the mastermind sold out. It's like, it's been at capacity and it's like one fucking Facebook post off of that. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I think that could have had it. You anchored right first of showing, Hey, I'm willing, we're putting out a $10,000 package. So there's perceived value attached to that. And that's really what a lot of people buy. When we, I talked about the six human needs earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And I noticed this when I was working at the float center as well, people would come for significance more than they came for the actual novelty or uncertainty of the experience, mm. because what they wanted to do was go back to their friend group and say, Hey, hey. I just tried something that you've not tried. Yeah. I just sat inside of a cryo tank that you've not tried. Kind of like how Clubhouse is doing right now yeah. with their invites. Exactly. It's yeah. the exact same process. So once we understand that there's really not a lot of these tools and tactics and nobody has the fucking secret sauce, what it is is it's the same thing, just repurposed and reboxed. Mm. Copywriters are great at this. Yeah. They'll take the same, it's the same product, but they'll come up with 500 different names for it <laughs> to make you think that it's something new and exciting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I could tell, I, I, I'm just going to take a stab at it right here, but I think it seems like you really either, you would either definitely really enjoy these books if you haven't read them yet, but it seems like you read them too. Two books that jump out at me, Influenced by Robert Cialdini and Contagious by Jonah Berger. Both of them are amazing. Yes. Talk about a lot of, remember when Jonah Berger, when we were talking about that bar where you can only get into it through a secret door in the phone booth and it mm -hmm. made it exclusive and like a thing and everybody yeah. started talking about it. That shit's fucking. The scarcity is real. Yeah. 
Look at what happened with 2020 and Corona and toilet paper and Purell. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, right? <laughs> right? Scarcity. We saw toilet paper go for $350 on Amazon <laughs> or on, on uh, eBay. Yeah, that's crazy. Scarcity is real. That's crazy, dude. And the same thing like you were saying with your podcast group, right? There's only so many slots. Mm. I've anchored. I've created scarcity. Now I'm really driving. Yeah. My marketing's effective at that point because we're bypassing the logic side of the brain. There's FOMO, right? I don't want to miss out on that opportunity, right? There's this idea of scarcity attached with it as well. Of, hey, there's only so many slots. Oh, and by the way, he typically charges $10,000 for two hours, but I get how many hours out of the year out of him? And it's only 2,500. Hey, shit, that sounds like a good deal, right? Like, yeah. This is how we start to add these things up. And this is why adding a high value ticket item inside of your service-based business or even a product-based business can drive wonders because we're we're attaching ourselves to all these different things that are just so deeply embedded into us as humans. It's impossible to ignore them. What's the tactic called? It's a, it's a multiple tactics that are being used. I, I can't remember the names from, but I use them myself all the fucking time in my coffee where you do the anchoring, where you, you talk about the, the high price right and then you also throw in all these bonuses and you talk about the value that they're going to get right and then so it stacks it up even higher so it's like 20 like this ten thousand dollar package plus this other 2k thing plus this other 5k thing boom, boom boom and it stacks it all up and then it's like 20k and then you hit them with the old sham wow you're not gonna pay twenty thousand, <laughs> not ten thousand no not even today you're not even gonna pay five thousand today when you order you're only gonna pay 19 and you use that minimizing word only 19 yeah. Yeah. All those shit. Like, dude, they may as well just call that the QVC effect, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's what they call it. That's what we're going to call it. Cause that's exactly what it is. QVC yeah. built a whole enterprise off of that exact idea paired up with engaging content that's specifically driven to a target audience. Yeah. Yeah, dude. See, man. It, so what are some of those? What is that? Do you know? Is that what you were saying? The QVC where you do the like the, pretty much the sham wow thing, mm -hmm. the QVC, the fucking. Yeah. You're, you're not going to. It's like using anchoring and then stacking all this value. Value adds. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's genius. So it Be, fucking really works. And then if you really want to drive people crazy, say, you know, over time, we're going to start taking some of these things away. Because mm, yeah. I don't want to lose what you're trying to give me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, dude, I got to take a note on that shit. Dude, so what's one of your favorite? You asked me which one I wanted to pick. I wanted to do that one and add the, I want to know about the 10 words. All right, all right. So before we get into my favorite, we'll do the 10 words that build trust. Okay. All right, and I, I always butcher her name, and I am so sorry if you were out there listening. So this research comes to us. Uh, this is out of the Journal of Advertising. It comes from Fawn Lee and Paul, and this is where I always screw up his name, Miniard. Um, but the article is called on, on the Potential of Advertising to Facilitate Trust in Advertising Brands. So this was back uh, by Cornell University when they did this research study. So do you believe that if I told you one sentence that we could increase your pricing rates by 7%, increase your perception that your audience cares about you and you care about your audience by 11%, that they would feel that you are treating them fairly as an increase of 20%, that the quality of the product is perceived to be 30% greater, and that they perceive you to be 33% more competent off of a single sentence. What do you think that could be? Bro, that's fucking powerful if, if that shit's 
legit. I mean, it's backed by research. Dude, my whole brand is built on being real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just fucking be real. You know, and, and I don't even use the word authentic because I feel like it's so fucking stupid. I hear I hate the <laughs> words. Everybody fucking says it, right? But um, but yeah, no, let's hear it. You can trust us to do the job for you. That's that's that word right there. That phrase. But if you think about it, I didn't mention price, didn't yeah. mention quality, didn't mention turnaround time, didn't mention any of the things that people typically get caught up in. And it almost should go without saying that if you're going to pay me to do something for you, that it should be done and that the job's actually going to happen. Right. But I mean, think about this. They did this with within the automotive industry is the main area. They tested this out, but they've done it and they've done uh, follow up research in other industries as well. Each industry's differs a little bit on the exact percentage, but it's all around the same plus or minus a few percentage points. But clearly the implication of this is massive. So what we started doing with all of our clients is we started putting this right before we did the testimonial section on their website. And the results started to skyrocket, Zach, because look at where we're pairing that inside of a customer journey. If if you've got good copy and you're bringing people on a journey through your website and you hit them with a phrase like that, if you can trust us to get the job done for you, at first it's kind of like, well, yeah, you should automatically do that. But marketing is a game of memorization. Mm. What do you want them to memorize about you? What do you want to be memorable for? Not necessarily the price, right? Because price, we all know, is just like a number and a stat. It goes in and out real fast. We remember the experience. And if the experience is, hey, I'm going to get the job done for you and you can trust us to do that, straight through the roof. So we paired that right before the testimonial section or like the clients we've worked with, because then I'm stacking a powerful statement that's built on trust right next to other brands that have trusted us to do the job for them. Dude, that's fucking, I'm writing this down. Dude, I like (laughs) literally (laughs) taking notes on this shit. I'm going to start implementing question. Yeah. So you can trust us to do the job for you. What if you're a one man band? Like some, some of the underdogs on this podcast might be getting, just getting started and they don't have a team. Can you say you can trust me to do the job for you? Sure. Okay. Awesome. The biggest thing you went back to authenticity and I'm right there with you. It's so overplayed and overused, but it's being honest, Mm, right? And with that as well, if you're a one man band that provides you so much power because you can, you can tell people, look, you get all of me, right? Mm. Like you get everything that I know that I'm capable all of, of performing, you, like all, all, all of it, all of it, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you don't have to hide behind the fact that you don't have a team. Mm. Let that lead and be like, look, like when you work with me, it's one-on-one. You don't have the distractions of me trying to manage a team. You don't have the distractions of everything else that goes with building an empire. I'm all in, man. Yeah. Let, let's do it. Let's make this thing work. Yeah. That's so powerful, especially for coaches, right? Saying, look, when I'm with you, I'm all in. Like, I'm not worried about all that other stuff. It's just you and me, baby. And we're going to fucking work. And we're going to work. Bro, so since we're on this topic, um, I feel like it plays right into this. You, you could trust us to do, do the job for you. I've always found, that's why I built my brand just on being real. Because I found when, and I call it the, I, I call this the slim shady principle, right? <laughs> but when you fucking talk shit on yourself and you call your flaws out, like for one, you're being real. And then people appreciate that about you. And it's so many, I think, I think people don't are afraid to do this and talk shit on themselves whenever they're wrong or whatever. Cause they feel like that's going to be like, they'll be outcasted from the tribe. Oh no, I'm accepted. not the expert. I'm not the expert anymore. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, exactly. But dude, that's like the, the for me, I, that's been like my secret weapon, dude. Yeah. Cause dude, I, I literally, I called myself out when I fucking dude, like you talk about fucking getting scared and shit, dude. 
I, I teamed up with a guy and he had, we, he had this program that did 20 million in revenue, over 20 million in revenues, had over a thousand successful graduates and it was on lead gen customer acquisition and scaling a business. However, at the time I'm broke as fuck. Right. And I'm sitting here trying to learn what I'm teaching by teaching it, which was ass fucking backwards. You know what I'm saying? And we were actually getting people in because it was legit shit. Right. But, but I felt like a sleaze ball. I felt like an imposter. I felt like a fucking dirt bag. And so I literally made a post on Facebook and called myself out on this and say, Hey guys, look, this is what we're doing, but it doesn't sit right with me. I can't do this shit anymore. I'm pulling the plug on it. I'm going to go back to fucking earning 200 to $800 a month through the affiliate income on my podcast, which ain't shit. I'm going to figure something out and I'll come back to the marketplace when I'm ready. Dude, that was so fucking nerve wracking getting yeah. before I made that post. But I was like, I got to fucking do it like this is this, it, or whatnot. But but that uh, it, I'm kind of going off tangent, but it, it, it was liberating because I got to keep it real. It built a strong fucking connection. But, dude, you know, I can't tell you how many people were like, dude, that's a breath of fresh air. Much respect for what you did, man. Good shit. I'm going to be following your journey. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like man, that there's fucking powerful more than anything else. Well, I don't know more than anything else, but it's pretty fucking powerful. Life's long, man. Yeah. Especially with social media. Yeah. Follows you. Like it's, it's weird. And it's, I'm, so how old are you? I'm, uh, I had to think about it. 32. All right. So there's a five year difference between us. Look at what's happened in social in the last five years. Yeah, bro. (laughs) Five years from now, where's it going? More audio passive, right? Clubhouse is proving that, that we want passive information to come to us so we can work. We can do other things while consuming and still building our following, building our influence. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's where it's moving. As much as people hop on Gary Vee, he was fucking right about the fact that it's going to be audio. Yeah. He was right about a lot of shit. <laughs> For real. I mean, he's, what's his thing that he, he's been saying the last couple of years is like, I'm historically right or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You got to love it, dude. <laughs> He's right, though. <laughs> he was historically. Like, you got to give it to him. I love this, though. What you said, that what I thought was a gem was putting it right before the testimonials. Yeah. That's smart, dude. Yeah. That's just fucking smart, dude. Like, like so, like, I get into some shit. Like, I learned this from uh, Mitch Miller when I was in his mastermind. But um, little shit like this, just that little thing right there goes a long way. Like, I do... The uh, did I tell you about the Trojan uh, sandwich strategy that I learned from Mitch Miller? No, <laughs> he's a really fucking dark, sick minded motherfucker, but he's <laughs> a good come dude. with jelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this strategy, dude, and you'll notice you'll see me anytime like. I run an offer about every two months or mm-hmm. so on Facebook. And every time I'm running offers, I do this every time. Uh, and I even took what he taught me and added my own flavor to it. And I'll share that part too. But um, it's it's so on Facebook, this works really good on Facebook. It may work on LinkedIn. I don't know. I haven't done it anywhere but Facebook. It's where, where I've done all the organic shit at, right? Just an organic Facebook post. But you already know how pretty much almost all the algorithm works all the algorithms operate is they want to keep you on their platform. So they're going to show their best content. So whenever you put a post out, if the platform's mature, like Facebook, they show it to a percentage of your followers. And if people don't engage with it, they kill it off because they say, Oh, people aren't engaged and we're done with it. And if a lot of people respond to it, they'll show it to another percentage and then keep going. Right. Yep. Yep. So the whole concept is first, because when you make a sales post, it typically gets very low engagement because it's designed to get you to take 
action. And then also other people just act weird whenever you make a sales post and they don't want to support it for some reason. Uh, Not everybody, but some people. So the whole, the, the, the sandwich is this, the, the first post is a social proof post backing up the offer. Mm -hmm. And then the next post is the actual offer that gets the low engagement that doesn't, you know, it doesn't get shown to all the people you want to see it. And then the third post is an engagement post, something that you know is going to get high engagement. What happens when you got a high engagement? People are creeping your profile. So what they come and see is they see the high engagement post is the first thing they see. They scroll down, they see the meat of the sandwich, which is the offer. They scroll down, they see the social proof that backs it up. It's a rubber band effect. Yeah, it fucking works, bro. Every time. Dude, I fucking, and, and, and dude, so like, you know, once you, you learn, you know, what's it, what's the, uh, adage or the, the, the cliche, or whatever it says, um, learn the rules first and then you become a master and then you can break them and kind right. of play with the rules and shit. Yeah. Pretty much that. So like I'd done that since the beginning of 2019 over and over and over again. And then I started just like building out a whole entire campaign. I made a video, a training video all of September all of it was positioning and it was all just documenting all the cool shit. I documented how we got this office space and like showed like how we progressively built it, each room, the upgrades, the signs and all this shit, all that social proof backing up that we know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to podcasting. Plus we brought on three team members. I'm showcasing that shit. Plus we rebranded the company. I'm showcasing that. Plus I'm throwing out a fucking offer where all this buzz and hype is going on. I'm just using all this shit um, in there. Is that neuromarketing by the way? Which part of it? Any of just it. Just stacking offers? Like like the positioning part or? Um, I mean, that's just good marketing practices more okay. than you're trying. At the end of the day, one of the things you're really good at is you're good at connecting emotionally with your audience. Mm. And from following you for now, what, two and a half, three years, I think we've known each other going it's through crazy. this. I know. Arte is a crazy ride all in itself. But the way you've learned to write and the way you've become a really good copywriter and the time that you took to invest into that skill set pays off because you know how to emotionally connect with your audience. And that's good marketing. That's what all marketing should revolve around is how do I connect emotionally? What So a few points you brought up there is selling inside of your audience and people really don't resonate well with that. The reason being is that we're so, we're so bombarded by just bad, bad social media yeah, posts with bro. it, dude. <laughs> Amen to that, dude. Like, it's, it's too much bullshit. Dude. It's disgusting. Like if I go on your, so if I go on your Instagram, right? Cause we have this group that we're doing, we're doing a hundred day content challenge. Um, So the idea is that if you post consistently for 100 days and it's paired up with 50 points of contact to other people, so you're building conversation and you're building engagement, then your your numbers are naturally going to grow. It's not rocket science, right? It's just the way social platforms are supposed to be used. But everybody thinks if I post a picture of my pizza, of my wings, of my of my flowers or whatever you sell, right, that all these orders are just going to start flooding in and then they get disappointed and butthurt when it doesn't. And you're like, well, dude, you didn't, you didn't do anything. You didn't, you didn't warrant, you didn't warrant any type of relationship and you're running your social media pages like a fucking classified ad. Nobody wants, when's the last time you bought off of a classified ad? I don't think (laughs) ever, (laughs) ever. Right. So why in the world would you run your social media page like that where it's out there forever? At least with a classified ad, it gets burned up or put inside of the garbage can pretty fast. Like that shit is out there until you go and delete it and you better pray people didn't take screenshots (laughs) of it in the process. So it's, 
the way that I think you do it is amazing because you're stacking value. You're stacking entertainment, right? When we look at the three pillars of content, we have entertainment, education, and impactful content. The best way I can describe impactful content for those of you that don't know, we've all seen the videos of like the Marine or the army guy or this, or the, uh, you know, somebody in the military comes home and they do the surprise reveal that they're home, mm-hmm. right? You know, like all the girls are in a little huddle. They don't see the big brother behind them. Big brother comes into the room and one of the other girls that's standing across from her starts covering in her eyes and crying and the girl's like what the, what the hell are you doing and then she turns around she's freaking out she runs over to her brother they start hugging there's sad piano music in the background playing you're crying i'm crying shit everybody that's watching the video is crying, <laughs> crying. <laughs> it's impactful content it touches yeah. something deep within us and that's truly great impactful content and showing your journey is so impactful to people because you know this too it's it's hard work yeah. Putting out and building a business is very difficult and people are envious of the fact that you're willing to take the risk and they weren't. Mm. That's what it is. So that's all the hate comes from that. All the hate, but it's jealousy yep. in the process, right? They're, they're envious and jealous that you were willing to take the risk and they weren't. It just shows, a, shows a mirror on them. Yeah. It's like, dude. Fuck your fucking up or whatever. It's like, and it gets, it gets weird, but it's true. Like, and we've all seen this. We've all experienced this, right? Somebody gets a, pulls ahead and we start at the same time. You're like, Oh, you motherfucker. Like, like the competitive, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the competitive side of me starts to rage a little bit. And same with you. Cause you're competitive, yeah. but it's a fun competitive, right? It's like we healthy. can go, like we can go back and forth and be like, all oh, your numbers are this, this month. Ooh, I'm going to come after you dog. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, people aren't willing to take that action. So mm. for the people that do, we understand, Hey, we just have to be smarter and strategic about it and stay in the game longer. And in order to do that, like you said, I only pitched once every two months, once mm. every three months, I'm not pitching every week. I don't have sales on my website every week. I've almost never run sales inside my business. I'll run value ads. Hey, I'll throw in an extra value ad, but I'm never going to discount the product or the service, mm. right? It's being strategic and the way you stack your creative and emotional content paired up with a sale and then follow it up with more value because you're using one of those three pillars and you're really good at attaching to the human needs, whatever six of those you're going after, you're really good at kind of digging at those and pulling those out. That's when we start to see the progress on social. That's when you see people start crushing it because they're utilizing that side of marketing. They're utilizing the emotional side of that. Bro, you're a fucking genius. I could sit here and have this conversation all day, which we're going to have it for, for quite some more time. But dude, I fucking love, I geek out on this shit too. I do too. And I, yeah, you could tell you do. Fuck, just by fucking how fucking fired up you are about it. But dude, I think that's such an undervalued thing that what you just hit on right there is the emotion. It, it's everything. People make decisions off emotion, then base it off a of logic effort. We reason after yeah. the emotion, right? So we'll make the emotional decision, whether I like it or I trust it or I want it. Mm-hmm. Then we'll rationalize. Oh yeah, I could really afford that this month. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I could get away with not having Hulu this month and I could go and get. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. dude. Or, oh dude, I just, I, I don't think I'll get that bang this, this morning and I'll put that towards that. Ooh, that'll be nice. <laughs> right. But that indecision is all logical for something emotional. Yeah, the, the emotional decision was made well before the logical yeah. one was. Yeah. Dude, that fucking, uh, going back to what you said about like the fucking, the, the classified ads. Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up so many people. They, and, and dude, and I'm not talking shit to be talking shit. Cause I used to suck at this shit too. And I had to figure that out. And that's why I invested in shit to figure this shit out. But, um, the, the making the people feel with the, like the story. Cause like, like even if you go to that, that, that example you gave of the person that has a pizza joint or whatever, and they're just taking pictures of pizza that like, that's fucking stupid. But maybe you could talk about, how, you know, one of your team members 
like stopped during rush hour because they seen a homeless person outside and they ran out and gave them a piece of pizza or some shit. I don't know. I'm making up something crazy, but that's interesting. And that'll capture people's fucking attention. You know what I'm saying? And there's like a motion to it. Cause like, Oh, they care. They went out and helped that person. That was sort of like in everybody, you know what I'm saying? So people can connect to a story. They can connect to emotion. If you, if you get really good at fucking telling stories, Oh my fucking God, dude. Game over. Yeah, dude. It's, it's fucking game over. But, uh, yeah, man, I, we could fucking jam. Let's hear, let's hear some more of these. Yeah. On here, dude. Let's do it. You didn't tell us your favorite one yet. Um, so I've been really captivated by pricing for probably about six months now. I've gone deep into the psychology of pricing. And one of the fascinating things that I've found is called precision pricing. So the concept is, uh, is really, really simple. It's based around the idea of priming. So, uh, are you familiar with like what priming is? Yeah, like uh, so I'm reading rereading Atomic Habits by James. Yeah, and, yeah, and he talks about priming your environment. Before. That's right. Yeah. So the idea that we can set cues inside of our environment that'll trigger certain responses out of us. Mm. So you know, if I want to, if I want to stop watching as much TV. A behavior to stop that action is to unplug the TV or move it into a different room is how he talks about it. Same idea, right? We can prime our environment. We can prime behaviors and habits in order to get certain results. So that's what I've been fascinated with. Um, so let's say if you're presented with an, you present an individual with subtle hints or cues, you can affect the person's chain of behaviors is essentially how priming is described. Money related images are some of the most powerful ways that we know how to prime the human brain. And it's really interesting. There was a psychologist named Kathleen Vose who dedicated years and years to studying the psychology of um, of pricing and how it relates to different strategies. So her and her colleagues had student subjects read either an essay that mentioned money or they sat facing a poster that pictured different types of currencies, okay? So imagine that big underdog poster right there, right behind up on the wall, right? And it, like for the S, like you put a dollar sign through it, or if there was a C, you put the cent sign, right? Mm -hmm. That's the type of stuff they would do with it. So students who were primed with money cues took 70% longer to ask for help in solving a difficult problem and spent only half as much time helping other people. When they were primed with When the they money. were primed with the money sign. Okay. Because it triggers such a deep emotional and visceral response out of us to want to save and hoard. Mm. Right. So thinking about different ways and there's, I'm going to get into it from what we can learn from what we see inside the restaurant industry with this too. But before I get into that, um, so half as much spent time helping other people that needed the assistance, but the students who were money primed also preferred to work alone and chose leisurely activities that involved being alone compared to the unprimed subjects. So not only did it make us super insulated, right? We came inward. We started looking at ourselves more and what's going to benefit us versus others. But we also weren't willing to help others in the process. And mm. we were spent and cut that time so ridiculously. This is the stuff that I find really interesting because we see so many ads littered with money, yeah. talking about money. Um, you know, and one of my favorite, and it's one of the longest running ads out there is the Diamond is Forever campaign right? Never once in any of the Diamond is Forever campaigns do they mention price. No. This is the diamond. The diamond is forever. Yeah. They'll mention now we have February specials or we have end of year, you know, specials along with it, but we're never going to mention the word discount. We're never going to mention the word value. We're never going to mention price mm. for the reason of, we know we come insular and we want to save when price is brought up. It's the old song and dance, right? If I tell you, Hey, do you want to buy something? No, nah, I'm good. You could have actually really used that cup of lemonade or the glass of water or the drink at the bar, right? Because I ask. Mm. So instead, you know, you'll notice waitresses, really good waitresses and waiters will ask, hey, you good? 
yeah, I'm good. Or no, 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 I need something. Right. It's not, Hey, do you want to buy another drink? Right. Yeah. How are you? Are you, are you doing everything? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You good. So I want to take a lesson from the restaurant industry. And this is something that we started doing with our internal SOWs or our statement of work, which we turn over when we start doing deals with clients. And this is something we picked up from the restaurant industry and there's research around this as well. Um, and I'll give you the, actually you have the bibliography of all this too. So you can see all the research in there. Um, even a single character can make a difference when we're looking at menus, bills, statements of work, it matters. And this Cornell study looked at several common restaurant pricing display techniques. So they looked at whether or not you had the dollar sign with the decimal spot. They looked at whether it was just the dollar sign, if it was just the number, or if it was the price of it spelled out. Mm. Which one do you think converted and had the highest amount of sales? The one spelled out. No. No? The one that was just the number. Just the number? Because reading takes up a lot of cognitive energy. Yeah. I have to go letter by letter because that's how most people are taught to read unless you've taken like Jim Quick's course and you learn how to chunk, right? So that takes a lot of cognitive energy. When we associate the dollar sign with it, that's a hard price. So like if you ever go to a super fancy restaurant, what do they do next to a lot of the menu items? They just write the numbers. They don't put the dollar sign in the decimal spot. Dude, they just yeah. put the actual number. And I sometimes I wonder, it's just like a 12 or so. And I'm like, why don't they put the fucking dollar sign? Right. Because what they started to find inside of that research is that when it's written or scripted prices, they actually don't perform as well because it's spelled out and people most time don't bother to read that, right? So as we're going through, um, they found that guests with numerical prices inside of restaurants spent significantly more than the other two to three groups did, depending on how they separated that out. So when you visit a restaurant and find that those prices are listed like that, know that there's a reason, yeah. right? Just like they'll put today's special and they'll put like, like we were talking about the lobster and the filet for decoy pricing, same thing, man. The restaurant industry has had this nailed down for decades. They understand that if I put the decoy price up top at a high dollar amount for when I pitch you a $90 meal for a steak and a lobster, that way when I pitch you chicken and rice just cooked on a grill and put with some nice vegetable stock and I can sell for 30, 40 bucks. Dude, that's fucking crazy. I'm going to start fucking doing this though, dude. Like I never it's, thought about that. But, dude. but it's like you were saying earlier, right? It's the, it's the small one to 2% tweaks. Yeah. Everybody's looking for the big, massive change you can put into your business. If I can add 10 or 15 of these little 1% shifts, dude, that's the compound effect on that is yeah. tremendous. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Every, cause you got to think about it every, depending on the, the, like whether it's just like a Facebook post, even like how I was doing, well, every time you run that offer, it's just converting 15% better every time. Or if it's a fucking like ad that you're running, that's constantly getting traffic to it all day long. It's performing 15 or 20% better than what it normally did. I mean, fucking do the math, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, bro. Dude, I, I, I'm glad that you brought me an extra sheet because I'm going to go deep, <laughs> deep on this shit. You know what? I think I'm going to even, uh, I don't know. I'm going to, if it's possible, which it should be, take like a picture of the shit or, or have our show notes, which Lily is a beast. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm making this into a lead magnet and it'll be done by the time this episode launches. So I'll send perfect. it to you and we'll be able to get that. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking genius, bro. Let's hit it. Let's keep going, dude. I want to keep going. Right. This is fun, dude. I never had And by the way, if you guys are trying to get on the underdog empowerment podcast, you should do like Alex is doing and bring some fucking uniqueness to it. Like this is pretty fucking cool. And it's, and I'm geeking out on it. I'm having fun, dude. Dude, we've been geeking about psych and neuroscience between each other for like a year now. It's yeah. just like, oh, you seen this stuff? You seen how they're 
doing that. You see how Billy G did that, dude? Yeah, yeah. All right. So I got one, and this one, I know you ain't seen shaving cream in fucking years. <laughs> but but yeah. some of us go to the store and shop for that. So I want to talk about decoy pricing. We've talked about it a few times, but we really haven't gotten into how people actually use it or why you would want to use it, especially if you have an e-com store or you have a brick and mortar store that has hard inventory. What We all get stuck with inventory at times, right? And it fucking sucks. I mean, your stuff's online, so that's a little bit different, but at times you're going to get stuck with inventory. So how do you clear it out? Right? So I notice this all the time with toothpaste and shaving cream is the most common place I see decoy pricing and how they're able to actually move more product of one versus the other. Mm. So what they'll do is, you know, every product has margin inside the store. So let's say we've got a shaving cream can that's like this tall. And then we've got one that's maybe like two inches shorter. It's the exact same can. The only thing is that it's bigger. Same price and everything. They'll purposefully make the bigger one the same price because most of the time they need to move it, right? And for them, it's got a little bit better margin. So they'll crank through that and just keep pushing the value. You won't think twice. It's the exact same product, right? Or even on the flip side, they can even push the smaller can to you and take 10 cents off. And you'll be like, well, it's 10 cents cheaper, even though I could have gotten more out of the other one (laughs) just because it's 10 cents cheaper. But if you look at it per fluid ounce, the other one's a better deal. Mm. But people don't want to do that math. They're just going to look for that quick heuristic. Uh, And a heuristic is just a mental shortcut. We have them all over. It's how biases are formed too. So going through that process, it's those quick flips back and forth and those last minute decision-making processes that I see a lot of this played out. It plays out in toothpaste too. You'll see like the double packs of tubes Mm -hmm. and how those are priced and they'll be priced very similarly. So they force you into either a 10 cent upgrade so you get the extra white or they'll take it like 15 or 20 cents down, but you get less out of the tube just because they need to move inventory. Wow, dude. <laughs> it's fucking dude. Cause I, I got hip to the decoy effect. I was watching was that, was it the national geographic, um, where they were talking about the popcorn? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, they're just genius. It was like, uh, they had the, uh, I can't remember how they, they did it. They had the small popcorn that was like three bucks. I'm mm-hmm. butchering this by the way, but it was like three bucks for the small popcorn, five bucks for the medium popcorn. And then for a dollar 50 more, it was like this fucking giant thing. Unlimited refills, baby. Yeah. (laughs) And so they weren't even trying to sell the fucking medium. It was just a decoy. Like, oh, it's only a dollar. And the the old people were going there. She's like, like, I'll take a medium. She's like, why are you doing that? You should get the the large. It's only $1.50 more. Look how much more you get or whatever. They weren't even trying to sell the fucking medium. No. It was just fucking. It's it's there just to pump the other one. Yeah. That's fucking genius, bro. I got one. So uh, one of my favorite brands to watch for marketing is Nike. Mm. I think what they, whether you agree with them as political statement company, that doesn't matter. Right. Right. They did a study back in the seventies, which is really, or no, not seventies in the eighties. That was really, really cool. So they took two pairs of Nike shoes. They built identical rooms just like this right next to each other, put the same, same table, same, everything displayed the shoes exactly the same. And one of the rooms, they put a bouquet of flowers. Okay. And the other room they didn't. They came out and they, they brought people in, they brought them into both rooms and told them to put a price next to the shoe of how much they thought that shoe would be valued as. Just by increasing the sensation in the one room by adding flowers, perceived value went up over 80%. But just putting the flowers in the room? Just putting the flowers. The reason being is that there's more of a sensory experience. Mm. So bring that in. One of the things I've been working a lot with my e-commerce clients on Oftentimes, because it's clothing, it's shoes, it's packages that come in mylar bags, right? Those thick plastic bags that we all love ripping open, especially when they've got that correlated tab on them and then you get that (laughs) right across it. 
once again, integrating sensations into your marketing and being consistent with it. So one of the things we've started doing around these ideas of sensory neuromarketing is that when you rip open the bag on the thank you card, or we'll add like a little uh, car tag that's got like, you know, a car freshener in it, having a unique smell for the brand. And this, this is pulled straight from Nike's research because when there's sensations that are attached to things, we perceive an increase of value. Apple does this really good. Too. Apple is phenomenal at this. Apple spent over $25 million developing their box and not just the shape of the box, right? Because it's just a fun box, right? Mm-hmm. The pool of a box. And the shininess. And and all. The pool of, you know, I'm taking from the base and pulling off to the top. How long is that drag? <laughs> Steve Jobs was obsessed, like literally, like Wozniak has talked about it multiple times, how obsessed he was around these ideas of sensory neuromarketing. He called it customer experience, but it's the same thing, mm. right? When they interact with the product, how do they engage with it? He wanted a three second pool on the box. <laughs> and now it's become industry standard to the point where like big, big, like nail polish companies, um, you know, like Butcher Box has even done this where they've measured the time on average it takes for somebody to open up their package because if it's any longer, I start to get frustrated and the anticipation builds too much. If it's any shorter, it feels like I'm getting shortcut of the experience. <laughs> Think about when you open up a new phone, right? One of the best fucking experiences on yeah. that fucking plastic pack. Yeah. Only more. apples, by the way. Yes. Yeah. yeah oh. Droids suck. But, <laughs> but it's part of that sensory experience. There's a sound, there's a feel, there's a taste, there's a touch, there's a smell to everything. Yeah. Being consistent across the board if with that is so powerful. So imagine you're a clothing brand, right? Or like if you're getting ready to send out underdog stuff, having a unique smell that goes into that bag that every single time somebody opens that package, it's going to smell just like that. And I mean, we've all gotten packages before we open. It's like, damn, someone was cooking fucking onions in their house when they, when they were back in this in their living room, right? And it's, it's not pleasant, but what we'll remember the new car smell. Yeah. Right. For me, it's, I remember, uh, do you guys have, a uh, shoe carnivals out here before yeah. they went under? Yeah. I will always remember the smell of a shoe carnival Yeah, because it smells like that deep, rich cardboard mixed with new shoe, <laughs> right? I will always remember that smell. And if somebody could put that in a spray and spray it in front of me, I will always remember that because smell dictates 75% of our emotions. Damn. So there's smell is also 10,000 times more impressionable on our memory than any other sensation. Because think about it. Smell is one of the fastest things that could kill us. You said smell dictates 70. 70 they estimate 75% of our emotional regulation. That comes from Martin Lindstrom. He's got an amazing, amazing book called biology where that comes from. Super, super smart guy. But Smells the fastest thing that could kill us growing through evolution, right? We can see fire. We can see a waterfall that in front of us, we could see a cliff dive off, right? We all know that's immediate pain. Taste is another one we're real fond of, but when we look at chefs, they understand that it all comes through their nose. If you have a stuffed nose, you're not going to be able to taste anything. Mm. So looking at that gastral process, it all comes from the nose. The, also, with the nose, where that receptor site is in the brain is directly back. It's a very short travel. Our eyes cross and then go back. Our ears stay on the same and they're on the same side for our processing, but it's still not as quick as our nose. That's correct. Right? Our eyes can be fooled. It's why like sleight of hand magic works. Yeah. Right? Our ears can be fooled. It's why we have music because we're fooling with overlapping tones. But what we can't fool very well is our smell. Mm. Right. And there's a reason because if I smelt that plant and it meant death, 
right? That's a, that's something I want to stay away from. And same thing with story, right? Hey, Billy went and smelled this area of this pit probably had sulfur in it. Billy came back a, either a funk or a drunk fucking mess, or he came back like almost dead, right? We don't want that. It doesn't progress our evolutionary line. So developing a deep sense of smell so closely related to memory and into our hippocampus and into our amygdala, which is our fight, flight, or freeze response, we're truly able to navigate smell better than any other thing in the world. That's so crazy, if, if you bro. think about the way that you can integrate smell, scent, touch, taste, feel into your brand, now we're getting into neuromarketing. Now we're getting into consistency of branding. That's an overall experience. Disney went as far, do you know about this, to pump the smell of fresh baked chocolate chip cookies into their parks. Mm, I didn't. They did that though? They pumped the smell of fresh baked cookies all across the park. Wow. Because when, and realtors do this too. I'm sure you've seen that or heard of that. Like where realtors will like bake cookies in the house ahead of time because it's a pleasant smell. I did not know that neither. Yeah. That's smart though. But yeah, they are associating happiness with an experience. So think about, you know, one of the most powerful forms of marketing is surprise and delight, right? If I can open up a bag that I'm not expecting to get a really nice smelling aroma from, and there's research that I want to go over on some of the best smells to use with this. And I'm giving this shit away for all of your audience because it's (laughs) it's so good and it's so fascinating. Like, why would you not use something so basic, that two to 3% shift that can drive long-term sales and engagement? Yeah. So when we're opening up with a few of the brands, when we open up that Mylar bag, what's the smell that you want to be associated with your brand? If you're a female-based brand, lilacs, oranges, <laughs> something light, right? Seawater. Yeah. If you're something a little bit more male, you want something a little bit more like earthy, a little bit more musky. You're like one of the CBD brands we're working with. We wanted peppermint because it's light and it's refreshing and it's not meant to be heavy on the brain. We don't want them to think they're going to get stoned from it. We want them <laughs> to think they're going to have relaxation and peace. We did this inside the float therapy center too that we were doing that, but we did it with diffusers. So we would run diffusers at both locations so we could get the emotional stimulus to be the same of the experience <laughs> regardless of where location is. Mm. So as you build and grow and put different franchises around the around the areas across the world, the experience, even though the location might look different, it's the same. It's the same because yeah. this is our most powerful memory sensor. That's fucking crazy, bro. No, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that. I'm not just saying that. You know what I'm saying? I know, like, it's great. <laughs> I'm like sitting here like, like fuck, wow, because it just like opened up a whole new fucking shit for me to geek out on now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking cool as fuck, dude. So they, they tried this out with bars, and they were looking at how you can increase uh, orders and how you can increase price at a bar for people ordering drinks, and they tested this down in Miami. The top three, there might be five in here and they're in the notes too. It's orange, peppermint, and seawater were the top three smells to increase sales. And bars? And bars. So they would just pump it out and people would dance longer. They would feel more energetic. They would feel like that they felt more kind of at peace with being there. They didn't feel like they were as much on edge. And we see that a lot with uh, lemon. Lemon's known to increase attention as well. Wow, dude. So you guys are hearing it now because I'm, this is, this is fascinating me because this year uh, I ran into someone that pretty much convinced me that I need to put out a product line for underdog. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I pulled the Facebook group and everybody. I was like, yeah, and like, you should do some supplements, some clothing and all this and that. That was, those were the two big ones. But, um, now I could really even geek out on this even more because you can get more sensory with physical products. You know right. what I'm saying? Especially clothing yeah. because it'll seep. It'll yeah. right. And, and think about this when you would walk into a mall, what are the clothes? What are, oh, I gave it away, but what are the stores that 
pump out the most smells. Yeah, shoe carnival. <laughs> it's Abercrombie and Fitch. It's Hollister. Yeah. It's you yeah. know, it's all these stores that have super upmarked product prices. But when you're there, it's that experience. Starbucks actually flirted with this idea too for a while, and they still do. Um, when they introduced their breakfast line, you know, they had their egg biscuit that they have there. They yanked it off the market for eight months when they first introduced it because the Starbucks stores started to smell like egg, mm. and they didn't want that. They wanted you to smell when you left, right? Because we all can smell when we leave a Starbucks and we smell like coffee. That's on purpose, right? Because <laughs> they want you to smell that and be that type of energy around other people because they're going to pick up on the coffee too. They don't want you smelling like egg. Right. Because that doesn't, right. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to smell like egg coming out of there, but <laughs> smelling like coffee is not really that bad, right? It's kind of energizing. Oh yeah, I got, got my coffee. I'm jamming. So they ended up losing millions and millions of dollars because they pulled their product back for eight months until they could refine the process of how they actually make the egg when they're there. So all they're doing is really heating up the bun and if they put cheese on it or not for you, the egg's really already cooked. They're just heating it. Mm. So it doesn't produce that egg smell out into the atmosphere. That's fucking crazy. That's wild. I didn't know how deep that shit went though. But now you think about it, like anywhere you go, you could see it. If if not everywhere, but most places though that you go, you could see that Nero marketing being injected into it some way, some shape or form. That's what I was saying, man. All these big companies, they understand at the core of this, we have to hijack the emotional center of the brain. What's the fastest Mm -hmm. way to do that? Sensations. Mm, Bro. Store, good story combines all sensations hijack the emotional center of the brain that's uh that's the that's the whole i feel like that is like the theme of this whole entire interview that we had here was like <laughs> let's hijack some brain stems baby emotional you know what i'm saying dig deep into that way yeah. a lot of people don't get all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna shift gears here yeah I'm going to get to a personal question. Okay. So we talked right before we hit record here and you're asking me, you seen that I had the guitar lessons on my daily goals and I was like, Hey, I'm getting my kids into it or whatnot. And you're a big guitar player. Yeah. Why do you love guitar so much? It's flow state for me. Mm. I, that's the fastest way I know how to get into flow and out of my head. Nice. And it's very much a meditative process. So going back to sensation and perception, right? Dialing in and just listening to music saying, okay, if I want to learn a song, I sit down and I'll just close my eyes and just listen to it over and over and over on repeat until I really get the flow of the song, the vibe, the tone, then going through. And it's the process of learning. I love sucking at things. (laughs) So, and that's, what's so great about guitars. Anytime you want to go learn a new song, you're instantly back to square one. (laughs) So it's that constant. And it's the same thing that I liked about jujitsu as well. Anytime there's a new move or a new position, you're constantly being humbled back to square one of you ain't shit. Mm -hmm. And then it's going through that process of building that skill up and then practicing my set list or my playlist of the songs that I know, staying on top of them, staying fresh and allowing that to roll through. I like the way you put that, bro. Um, Because I put it, I'm the same way in the sense, not like exact, but, but how you said... I love sucking that shit or whatever. I, I, I say that I love digging deep and mastering something because there's fun whenever you're still learning it. Right. Yeah. And then once you master it, it's still cool, but it's like, all right, what's next? You know what I'm saying? It's like, totally. Yeah. I love that aspect, dude. That's how you can tell you fucking go deep on some shit, man. It, dude, it's the best way. Why, why live life at 40%? Mm. Oh, 
I mean, why? Exactly. All right, dude. So this has been a fucking incredible episode. We went longer than than the average, but it was fucking amazing. And we're gonna have to do a follow up, by the way, on this. Absolutely. I want to do. I'm serious. Like, you got an invite to come back out here. I want to start going deep on this shit, and I want to bring you back on, and and then so I can geek out with you because I was like, there's some parts I was like, damn, this dude's fucking smart. <laughs> but uh, um, I do. What were you about to say? I've learned so much from you, man. In the last year, I'm super grateful for it. And I'm so happy that we've uh, been able to develop a relationship and really just get to know each other more and help provide value for each other. It's what this is all about, man. Life's not meant to be a solo journey. Amen, dude. It's been fucking fun, dude. And it's only just getting started too, man. We're fucking connected in major ways, big, our network, everything. So it's fucking awesome. But, uh, I want to ask you now, um, I got this one question, right? That, you know, we've been jamming organically conversations has been flowing, but I got the one question that I ask every single guest on here that comes on the show. And I'm excited to get your, um, feedback, your perspective on this. And so the question is, if you had to start over today with absolutely nothing, no relationships, no money, no resources, the only resources that you got are the wisdom and the knowledge that you've gained through your experience. What's the first piece of advice that you give yourself as an underdog entrepreneur to get a head start? Go build my network. <laughs> what's that? What's that saying? Uh, you could do what's this what's the fucking cliche they say you could do it's not who you know or it's not what you know it's who you know i i like the one uh your your network is your net worth yeah yeah, yeah. dude so many people undervalue that shit and especially in today's day dude you get those fucking instagram messages or those facebook messages where somebody you don't even fucking know and you just become friends with some of them or they just start following you and then they start fucking pitching you and shit i'm like bro you're not even building a relationship. Hey, right brother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro. Oh, Joey's our video guy. I'm pretty sure he's going to pull something funny right there. <laughs> Make a cool little funny video off of that. But that's exactly how they be, right? Yeah. And it's like, bro, like, chill the fuck out. You all jacked up on Mountain Dew and shit. You don't even know me. Why are you coming at me like a fucking, you know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, bro. But uh, no, nah, man, relationship capital by far everything, dude. I couldn't agree more. Appreciate that answer. So for everybody tuning in right now and they want to come check you out and everything that you got going on, where's the best place that we can come find you at? Absolutely, man. Um, we're in clubhouse. We're kicking it in there almost every day. The podcast is the hidden falls media experience. Check us out. Our company's name is hidden falls media and we are the premier neuromarketing company in the world. The premier, (laughs) just like the Ohio state for those, those that want to be pretentious. We'll let them have it. Yeah. Amen, dude. Make sure you guys do that matter of fact right now while you're i mean it's the end of this episode pull out your fucking phone because most of you are listening from your phone per nielsen research um pull out your phone whether you're on a desktop whatever type go go fucking over to the podcast right now and what i want you to do when you go over there subscribe you don't have to listen to the episode right now but if you're going to continue doing it do it right now but what i do want you to do right now is subscribe so that you can come back and drop a five-star written review if you're on apple um that way you're showing some underdog love man because alex came over here and brought the heat today and we're definitely gonna be doing a follow-up thank you for coming on the show my man thank you for being dude i loved it thank you so much 